Good morning, everybody. And I do have some opening remarks. Um, it's great to be with you today as we kick off the Players' Championship 2020. We have more than 900 credentialed media with us this week, and we certainly appreciate what you do in covering our sport and a PGA Tour throughout the year. I'd like to start by taking a moment to reflect on the brilliant life of Pete Dye, who designed this golf course with his wife, Alice, and helped elevate this championship into global prominence. When he passed away on January 9th, golf lost a visionary, a legend, and a creative force. Pete's designs always challenged the player, perhaps more than any architect in history, between the years, and his courses always demand your best efforts on every single shot. I'd encourage you to take in the various tributes to Pete around the golf course this week as we pay our respects to his World Golf Hall of Fame legacy. And as we recognize Pete, I'd like to recognize several individuals here with us today who were instrumental in the birth and growth of TPC Sawgrass and the Players' Championship. Former PGA Tour Commissioner Dean Beeman, former PGA Tour Commissioner Tim Fincham, Vernon Kelly, former president of PGA Tour Golf Course Properties, Bobby Weed, neighbor, protege, and lifelong friend of Pete, and the inaugural winner of the players here at TPC Sawgrass in 1982, Jerry Pate. I'm sure you'll enjoy speaking with them today about Pete Dye and what he meant to the game of golf and their own lives. So in preparing for today's press conference, I went back and I looked at the 2017 tra transcript from the first time I spoke with you here at the players as commissioner. At that time, I spoke a lot about the path to securing the tour's foundation for the future. And many of you had questions about the future of our media rights, the FedEx Cup, the schedule, the stature of the players, and yes, pace of play. In revisiting these topics, I'd like to remind you about our business model. This is a player-led organization. And as a membership organization, it's a great honor and it's awesome to have our members here back at TPC Sawgrass. Our players are entrepreneurs and they inject that spirit into everything we do as a tour. Yes, they have independence, but they are also world-class athletes who have a desire to bring their talents to a growing global fan base and impact the communities in which we play. That's how we're able to modernize the PGA Tour at every turn because of that entrepreneurial partnership and culture we've built with our members. We listen, we respond, and we grow the reach of our tour. Our players want and expect us to listen to not only them, but as importantly, to our fans. What do they want from the tour? And how do we deliver world-class golf to them in new and different ways? Look no further than some of the changes we've made in recent years. The schedule, the FedEx Cup structure, the tour championship format, our Discovery Global Media Partnership, the domestic rights agreements we announced yesterday, the launch of PGA Tour Live, every shot live this week at the players, gaming opportunities and our emergence on that front. These past few years have been transformative for our tour, our players and our fans, and we are not slowing down. It's clear to me that we have a winning formula 
It's worked for our players, our sponsors, our fans, communities, media partners for 51 years. We're growing in virtually every metric, and it's not because that winning formula remains the same. We listen and we respond. That allows us to, to broaden our reach internationally, allows us to diversify our fan base, allows us to provide new and innovative ways to reach our fans, and allows us to showcase our great athletes to the world. I'd like to address just how much progress we've made on these items and more and give you an idea of where we're headed. In 2017 here at the Players, I was asked about the future of meteorites and how this would help us better deliver the PGA Tour to our fans. Yesterday, we were thrilled to announce that we will continue our long-standing broadcast partnerships with CBS and NBC and with the Golf Channel while establishing a new relationship with Disney and ESPN+. These partnerships put us in a position to significantly increase player earnings, deliver more value to our tournaments and sponsors, and ultimately allow us to grow our charitable footprint. It also should be viewed as a major victory for our fans based on the elevated commitment from all four partners to help us grow and innovate that content and its delivery. At the end of the day, when you add in our Discovery Golf TV partnership, we now have domestic and international media rights secured through 2030 with unquestioned industry leaders. On behalf of our players and our team, thank you to these partners in responding to the PGA Tour's desire to evolve and innovate. We're also pleased to successfully negotiate media rights for our strategic partner, the LPGA, through 2030. With this new rights agreement, the LPGA will continue as anchor programming on the Golf Channel and will also receive expanded exposure on CBS and NBC. Right here at the Players in 2017, we announced a 10-year extension with our largest partner, FedEx, as we headed into the second decade of our season-ending FedEx Cup playoffs. With this long-term agreement in place, we were able to make significant improvements in 2019 to our schedule. The FedEx Cup playoff structure and the Tour Championship scoring, all to create a more compelling and engaging product for our fans, both new and existing. It also allowed us to prioritize securing long-term relationships with our partners. We currently have 18 sponsors in place with agreements of seven or more years, and we anticipate that number will grow as we move forward. For our members, these additions meant significant growth in total compensation, with bonus doubling, the bonus money doubling from $35 million to $70 million. We're pleased with our progress, but by no means are we finished. Our existing partnerships combined with our new domestic rights agreements will allow for significant growth in our members' earnings in the coming years, and deservedly so. In 2017, I also outlined the many significant course and infrastructure changes to TPC Sawgrass already completed, and I detailed a multi-year plan of putting all the elements in place as we continue to elevate what is one of the most significant events in the world of golf. This plan included a continued growth in the purse, which we were pleased to announce at $15 million, with $2.7 million awarded to our champion later this week. The Players' Championship has the strongest field in golf. 
an iconic and fan-friendly venue in TPC Sawgrass that favors no particular style of player, evidenced by Rory McIlroy edging Jim Furyk by one stroke last year, and a finishing stretch that certainly ranks amongst the most exciting for fans. Each year, our Players' Championship team, led by Executive Director Jared Rice, TPC Sawgrass, Director of Golf Course Operations Jeff Plotz, and the competitions pillar, led by Mark Russell and Stephen Cox, continues to elevate this championship. That elevation continues to positively affect lives in Northeast Florida, evidenced by a record $9.3 million in charitable impact in 2019. Now this impact is possible through the support from our players, but also from our three proud partners, Optum, Morgan Stanley, and Grant Thornton, and the more than 2,000 volunteers who work tirelessly throughout the year, and as well as our incredible fans. We have a fan-first mentality in everything we do as we strive to engage existing fans while creating a new and diverse group of PGA Tour followers. Innovation through content and new ventures is a significant part of this process. This week at the Players, every shot will be live streamed on NBC Sports Gold to PGA Tour Live subscribers, allowing fans to follow any player in the field for all four rounds. That's more than 32,000 shots over the course of the week, captured by more than 120 cameras throughout the course. Our vision is to bring every shot in every PGA Tour tournament live to our fans, and this is the first step in making that a reality. Something else you'll see for the first time this week, the use of a drone-operated camera that will offer views of many of golf's most famous holes, giving fans a distinctly unique perspective on the action. I know NBC Sports legendary executive producer Tommy Roy will take full advantage of this technology, and our fans will be the beneficiaries. Gaming it certainly presents another significant opportunity to grow fan interest and engagement. With 21 states now having approved legalized gambling, we're ramping up engagement opportunities through our partnership with IMG Arena for data distribution globally, DraftKings for daily fantasy. DraftKings, by the way, is standing up a tiered product for players for the first time this week, as well as our newest partner, the Action Network through GolfBet, which serves to help educate and stimulate the betting market in the U.S. and overseas. Now, you asked me in 2017 about pace to play. And I appreciate you keeping me honest on this topic in 2018 and 2019 as well. While there was a lot of external discourse regarding pace of play during the FedEx Cup playoffs last year, we had been in the process of reviewing this aspect of pace of play for the better part of 2019 and asking ourselves and our player advisory council, is there a better way to do it? We're very pleased with the additions to the policy that focus on the individual habits of players aided by ShotLink technology that will, will take effect at the RBC Heritage. Again, we listen and adapted. We think the policy will help keep the focus on our athletes and their incredible skill levels and will present a better product for our fans, both on site and on television. Now, impacting the lives in the communities in which we play and efforts to promote diversity, growth, and health of the game, they are not side projects for us. They are part and parcel to our business, and we are committed to their success. 
Charitable impact is part of the PGA Tour's DNA and something we, our tournaments, and our players take great pride in. To the tune of more than $203 million raised last year to more than 3,000 organizations. And in January, we celebrated a $3 billion milestone thanks to the tournaments across our six tours. On the participation front, the PGA Tour has doubled down on its support of the first tee, now in its 23rd year, as we continue to work towards ensuring those playing the game are diverse and inclusive, are a diverse and inclusive reflection of society. Our industry partners are doing the same with their own successful programs. From a global perspective, we're at 93 international PGA Tour members from 28 countries and growing. We have highly successful PGA Tour events in Asia, Mexico, Canada, Bermuda, and the Dominican Republic, and our three international tours continue to flourish in Canada, China, and Latin America. And building on the momentum of golf's return to the Olympic Games in 2016, we expect further international growth and interest with the playing of the Tokyo Games this summer. So with this winning formula, working in tandem with our players, We've made a lot of progress in the last three years as we continue to build a more exciting product for our existing fans, and we're set up for success in growing and diversifying our fan base in the future. We will never stop pushing to improve all facets of our tour, but we're certainly proud of what we've accomplished. Now, that was a lot more than you expected to hear from me, but I wanted to take this moment to, to share my thoughts in advance of answering any questions you have. Thank you, Jay. Yep. Thank you. You raise your hand, we'll bring a mic to you for questions. I think we have one right here, Gary. Jay, how you doing? Gary, how are you? Uh, could you address the uh, further the, uh, which uh, some of it seems to be changing on a weekly or daily basis, the impact of the uh, coronavirus on the future schedule and yeah. Do you have any plans to assist other organizations with possibly moving their championships to uh, tour venues? Well, I think from from our perspective, um, the way to look, if you're, if you're in asking that question, I would tell you that it started out as a task force. It's now essentially a business unit where we have two leaders, Tom Hospital, our medical director, and Allison Keller, our chief administrative officer, mm -hmm who have organized a large team to fully understand uh, the coronavirus and its implications on all facets of our business. I think it goes without saying that the health, safety, well-being of our players, our fans, our tournaments, everybody that's involved in our ecosystem is up, of, of utmost importance. So for us, we are relying heavily as other leagues and, 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 and sports and entertainment venues are relying heavily on the World Health Organization the CDC, but primarily given the fact that we're playing 175 tournaments over six tours, this really is about a market-to-market -market exercise and truly understanding with local public health officials, local government officials, what's happening on the ground through our tournament directors in every single market where we play. So suffice to say, it's a very dynamic situation, but I'm really proud of the amount of effort and thought that's going into uh, not only where we stand today, but the commitment to continue to gain as much information as we can, and candidly, the contingency plan for a lot of different scenarios, given that this is an unprecedented situation. And as it relates to others 
you know, other tournaments and looking across the, you know, our schedule, I would just say that, um, you know, we're working very closely with each of those organizations. They're part of the work that this team, you know, is, 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 is undertaking, talking to those organizations every single day on the same conference calls with various health organizations. And I think, you know, as it relates to any other tournaments and, and what other organizations are doing, I can't speak to it. You would have to speak to them. But at this point, they're, you know, I think everybody is, is planning on, you know, moving forward full speed ahead, ex exercising their tournaments, but also keeping an open eye and an open mind to the information that's coming their way. Jay, so much, so much chatter the first few months of the of the year have been on this uh, Premier Golf League. Yep. I'm just curious, uh, how many of the top players have you spoken to? Can you characterize the feedback you've gotten, and and can you say yep. one way or another if a player uh, verbally pledges support of of this new league, would they be no longer tour members immediately? So three questions, Doug. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Listen, I think it's my job and it's my responsibility to be talking to our players every single day, every single week. I do the best that I can being out at our tournaments and making myself, making myself accessible and listening and responding. Um, you know, that's what my predecessor did. That's what I do. And that's how I, you know, that's how I really, you know, that's my commitment as a leader of this organization. And as it relates to the team golf concept, I certainly have talked to a number of our top players. I've talked to players across our membership. Uh, and as you recall, this is, this is something that has been rumored uh, for several years. So it hasn't just started of late. It's something that we've talked to our players about for several, for several years. Um, and second question? If a player pledged. If, if a player pledged, you, you, you and I have a long history of hypotheticals and me not answering hypotheticals. But, but, but I, I would just, you know, I would tell you that, um, you know, we're encouraged by the response that our players have had in our discussions. Um, I think that the value that we provide to our players, to our tournaments, to our fans, you know, the news that we've just talked about securing $12 billion in revenue through 2030, the strength and security and foundation of this tour has never been stronger. So that's what we're focused on. We're focused on uh, the excellence that we want to continue to achieve with our players and our commitment is always one to listen and to respond. You know, that's a, that's a, a bridge we would cross when we get there. But um, going back to my earlier comments, this is a player-led organization, 51 years running. Our governance system has been driven by our players and our board. And we, we have regulations in place that allow us to protect the interests of our media partners, our sponsors, and all of our constituents. And if we got to that point in time, we would take measures to vigilantly protect this business model. Mark? Hey, Jay. Um, just about jumping off of Fergie's mm -hmm. uh, question, with the stuff that you've just announced, obviously, and the new, the new, the new TV deal and whatnot, and uh, how much do you feel like that strengthens you? You've talked about the fact that the PGL and the team golf thing has been around you yeah. know, in the ether for the last few years, mm -hmm. but it seems like it's gained momentum of late. And I yeah. just wonder how much of a threat that has, if, for lack of a better word, uh, that, that has been to you guys, and, and to some degree, how much does this new deal help you? And, and guys like Rory coming out just the other day, yeah. you know, what did that mean to you guys? Well, listen, I, I think that it's flattering when any entity is looking at what's happening on the PGA Tour and they see growth, 
They see momentum. They see a broadening reach to a, to a larger fan base domestically and internationally. And it's no surprise that someone's coming to try and take a piece of that. That's the nature of business. And so for us, you know, I, I go back to, to the very point you're making, which is an astute one. When you have the, when you think about free-to-air television, to have CBS and NBC, CBS covering 19 events uh, through 2030 on average, NBC covering eight, both of those partners with a rotating commitment to cover the FedEx Cup playoffs. When you have the home of golf 24-7 in the United States uh, committing to the PGA Tour, Corn Ferry PGA Tour champions, LPGA Tour, and the great talent that, that sits at the Golf Channel making that commitment through 2030. And then when you add ESPN Plus and the full support of the ESPN family, which when you step back, and, and I talk about broad and, you know, broadening our, our fan base, when you actually look at the numbers, the great reach that our current partners provide with the addition of ESPN, you're talking about 50 million additional uniques that we're gonna be reaching over the course of the year. So we have, the, we have the, 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 the support and the commitment of those organizations through 2030, and we feel great about moving forward with them. And then to know, looking back, they happen on a one-off basis, our tournament extensions, but to have 18 tournaments with seven plus years, it gives the PGA Tour an opportunity, gives us you know, an opportunity to long-term plan. And coming back to our players and the original point I'm making, you, know, we t you look at the model of, of a player's independence and you think, about the, you think about what we've done here in the U.S. from a media rights standpoint. You think of what we've added with discovery. The value of their platform in that independent model is also going to grow up significantly because we're going to be reaching a lot more people. So we feel really good about where we're going to go with purses, where we're going to go with the Wyndham Rewards Top 10, where we're going to go with the FedEx Cup. And our players have always had the opportunity to play for, meaning, you know, for meaningful prize money and for meaningful consequence out here. And that's only going to continue to grow and will grow at a faster rate thanks to that great support that we have. Did I answer one on this? Okay. Sorry. More questions? Right here. Get the mic. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Um, Jay, just going back to, to Gary's earlier question about coronavirus. Um, yeah. It specifically, is, is one of those organizations, the PGA of America, in, in a potential contingency of Sawgrass yeah. being able to host um, PGA Championship should they have a need to move that event from I your perspective? You know, Brian, I, th I think I'll answer that question two ways. One, and I've talked to Seth and Susie a lot. Uh, Susie is on our board. They are great partners. And like I said earlier, they are fully planning on proceeding with the PGA Championship at TPC Harding Park in San Francisco. But when you get in these extraordinary circumstances, you have to make yourself available to your partners. And you have to, you know, you have to really work as closely together as you ever had to help each other get through this. And so, there is no plan at this point in time for the PGA Championship to, to be held here. It's going to be held at TPC Harding Park. Um, but I would just pledge to you, as we pledge to everybody else, that in all of our tournaments week to week, that we, we've got to, we've really got to, to listen and respond to the real information that we're receiving on the ground. And it's important for us to, 
present a complete schedule, FedEx Cup schedule this year. And if we can do that, that's what we're going to do as good partners to the game. Bernie. Jay, sorry to follow up on an earlier question as well. Have you spoken to Andy Gardner from the PGL? No. Is there room for another tour in the, in the, the bigger, bigger sort of world tour picture? Well, I think if, listen, you look at the PGA Tour and you look at what Keith Pelley and the European Tour have been able to accomplish, um, and you look at some of the other international tours, you know, the, the professional game is performing at a very high level across the world. Uh, we're about to get a lot stronger. We're going to continue to go strength to strength. And that's a question for, for, for you guys to answer. We, we need to stay focused on what it is that we can control. We think we've got a winning formula, uh, or we know we have a winning formula. And that's something that we're now in a position to accentuate. So we couldn't feel be better about our position and our ability to get stronger in the decade ahead. John. Jay, when John. Rory came out and spoke publicly, yep. and I believe was one of the first to speak out about the, um, the league, what was your reaction? What do you think it told you about him? I, I, um, I would tell you that, you know, it just reminded us all of how thoughtful and thorough Rory McIlroy is. He's one of the top players in the world, um, you know, and, and he had fully understand, fully understood that model and what was being proposed, and he's lived this one. Uh, and I think his comments, uh, I wasn't surprised. Uh, he was certainly proud and pleased on, on that given day. And candidly, as I've talked to a lot of top players in my one-on-one -on -one conversations, you know, I've heard a lot of the same. So, but I thought, you know, that was a moment of, of leadership. And that was a special time, special day. Commissioner? Right over here on your left. Hello. Sorry. Scott Piercy made some news recently for some social media posts. What was yeah. your reaction? My reaction was one of uh, significant disappointment. Um, you know, that post does not convey the values that we have as a tour and certainly doesn't convey our interest in making certain that golf is inclusive for all, an inclusive sport for all. And the fact of the matter is that what he's, what he's, that post itself is a violation of our policy. I'm not going to speak to the disciplinary action or the disciplinary side of this, but it's something that we take very seriously. He knows that. Um, I think he, at some point in time, he'll address that. And the fact of the matter is that Again, it doesn't reflect who we are as an organization, but when something like that happens, you need to use that as a teaching moment, and people need to get better, and people need to understand the full consequence of something like that, and that's where our focus is on right now. Bob. Hey, Bob. Hi, Jay. Um, specifically to two weeks from now in Austin, um, as you know, they, they canceled a fairly big festival there the week prior. Yeah. Um, where does that stand? Is there any chance that that event would not go on, or can you just update us on how you're looking at that? I would say that right now, um, you know, that's one of the that's one of the tournaments that's on the uh, focus list given its proximity to, to where we sit right here. And 
we are planning on, you know, we are fully planning on, on being in Austin, Texas for the WGC Dell match play. We're working very closely with on the ground Jordan Uplegger, who is our executive director, uh, meeting with the mayor, the mayor's staff, local public health officials, tied into our coronavirus task force. Uh, we feel like we are, we have support to continue to move forward with the event, full support. Um, but I would say, you use the word any chance or the expression any chance. This thing is so dynamic that. Um, you know, you just have to go hour to hour, day to day. But right now, we've gotten, we have every assurance that we'll be, we'll be in Austin for the event. And I also would add that, you know, you mentioned another event that was canceled. And when you see these cancellations, they happen for different factors and different reasons, some of which aren't applicable to us. And that's where, when you see that news, there was an immediate, you know, we started to get a number of phone calls from from members of the media, from players, from our partners, and you step back and you actually look at the data, look at what's happening on the ground there. If your local public health officials feel confident that everybody can enter into a safe environment uh, and that you know we're protecting the well-being of all folks on site, that we're going to move forward. Yep. Adam. Jay. <clears throat> Jay over here. Would you describe some of the ways specifically that the viewer experience will be enhanced over the next nine years? Yes. Um, so <clears throat> you're starting to see a little bit of it this week with every player, every shot live. But one of the, one of the elements to yesterday's announcement um, that I think is very important beyond the incredible commitment we have from those partners is that when you look at the PGA Tour today and you look at how global our sport is, our athletes are, and the media interest is, by working, by, by, by taking greater control of the compound, by adding more feeds than we currently have on PGA Tour Live today in the future, being able to not only provide more content here in the US, but also use that content internationally off of Golf TV with our discovery partnership is one way, uh, one thing that I would point to, and one of the things that excites us about that announcement is it's not just we're moving to ESPN Plus, but we're also creating more content that can serve our global fan base. So that's one. Uh, and then when you look at that, you know, I talked about how we've set up where we are from a gaming standpoint, you know, and, and the strength of the ShotLink technology that we invest tens of millions of dollars in each year. Now to be able to use that data and to be able to apply that not only to our platforms, but you know, potentially in the way that we stream and the way that we think about presenting our sport. Again, these new deals start in 22. We're working with our current partners now on that, but I would expect us to have more specifics uh, on that front as we go forward. But I just think when you look at our sport and the fact that we cover 20% you know, of the shots that are out here and there are over 30,000 in a given week, and we got more and more stars representing more and more countries, it's just a chance for us to be able to showcase them more. And with, the, with, with new technologies emerging, it's going to be easier to do it. And we're going to have the infrastructure in place to be able to do it. But it's when you, when you one, of the, one of the things that we've, we've really liked about where we are is there's a spirit of, and these aren't unique deals. There's a spirit of collaboration across the partners. There's a commitment to evolving and innovating. And then there's, you know, the complete lack of complacency about 
where we are and where we can go, just given all the opportunities with that set of partners, Adam. I can ask you one more. You sure can. Um, you made the comment doubling down on the first T. What, what does that mean? The first T, uh, it mean it's actually, it's hard to double down because it was, it was maxed out. Um, you know, under Commissioner Fincham's leadership as a tour, from, from a tour standpoint. The one thing that we looked at was our, our partners in the industry have their own unique programs, but the governance of the first tee was tied to the World Golf Foundation. And so you had all of the, the golf organizations that were governing, governing the first tee. I think it's fair to say that the tour was the majority, the lead partner in the first tee. What we've done is to take the first tee out of the World Golf Foundation, set up the PGA Tour First Tee Foundation, and now the first tee is essentially a business unit. Every employee at the PGA Tour is responsible and accountable to help grow the first tee. We've taken, took Greg McLaughlin, who did a wonderful job running PGA Tour champions. He's now running the first tee. He's built a great team. Uh, we're going to be embarking on a significant capital campaign that comes off the back of identifying what we think we need, need to do to change the curriculum or upgrade the cur curriculum and refresh it, what we need to be more technology-centric with this younger generation and how we produce our content, um, and how we, and a number of other steps that we're going to take that we think will, will take the first tee with additional resources to the, to the next level. Hi, Jay. I just wonder what you made of Rory's thoughtful argument last week that there were too many tournaments in professional golf uh, that, in his words, would reach saturation points and we're in danger of exhausting the fans. Well, I, um, we have a wonderful PGA Tour FedEx Cup schedule with 49 events this year. And there really are very few weaknesses on our schedule. And when you look at you look at our model and the fact that players are independent contractors, for us, putting the best tournaments forward week in and week out, recognizing that in our sport, players like to play in certain conditions, certain mar markets, like to sequence their schedule differently. A lot of factors that go into the schedule that we have, and we've got great commitments from the markets where we play. And that's what's gotten us to here. But, but I, I think when you look at, you know, when players, when players, this is not the first time we've heard this. You know, when you're in player advisory council meeting, when we're in board meetings, we're constantly looking at how our schedule is performing. I talked a lot about where we are and where we're headed. It's been reinforced by the marketplace. But I would say that, that because the schedule is so dynamic for our players, it's also as dynamic for us, you know, as leaders. And, and that's something that we'll continue to, to, to look at and say, what are the things that we can do to improve our schedule? But I would tell you, we feel really good about where we are today and the flexibility we have going forward. I think Commissioner Pincham was laughing because he's answered that question several times <laughs> in his career. Randy? Um, Jay, last week, Phil Mickelson was asked about um, Rory, and Rory saying he was out of the Premier League. And Phil's response was, um, uh, I don't know if I would want to give away my leverage right away like that. Uh, so my question to you is, uh, ha have you felt pressure from top players to use the Premier League as uh, pressure to leverage more benefits for the top players? 
I feel pressure from top players to continue to make sure our product is getting better and better and better. The playing opportunities they have are the best in the world. The platform we provide them is the single best platform in the world that's growing in value. And so, you know, you always feel that, that pressure. And it, it hasn't just started here over the last couple of months. And so I wouldn't say, you know, certainly this is a unique circumstance or, search or, or situation, but you don't wake up and hear that and all of a sudden, you know, say, okay, we need to now start doing more. I'll take you back to where I started, which is we have a really, we have such a great leadership team in here. We're so committed to where we are and where we're going. We're thinking multiple years down the road and we're always thinking about our players and how we make things better for them, continue to make them better for them. And so long as we do that, I think we are going to continue to succeed. Alex? Jay. Hey, Alex. Once the dust settles on the health aspects of the coronavirus, the economic aspects are going to be yep. long out there. Obviously, you're a corporate-driven organization. How does that concern you over the short term and the long term, A, and B, the current sponsors you do have, yep. if in fact there was a need in some way, shape, or form for concessions from you, yep. would you be willing to do that as a partner? Well, I, um, I wasn't at the tour. I joined the tour in 2009. And one of the most impressive things I experienced was the way Commissioner Fincham and the leadership team at the time assessed what was a deteriorating economic environment. And the, the strength of this organization, given the incredible impact that we have in the communities where we play, is not such that a player, a tournament, or, or a, a sponsor is looking generally to leave the marketplace or to leave their tournament. We have so many that have been there for, you know, for 10 or more years. But you have to always be aware of your surroundings. You always have to be aware of the environment. And so to answer your question, if a, if a sponsor is challenged or a sponsor needs us to be open-minded relative to things that we can do to help them, we will always be that way. But, you know, I'd point to the fact that, you know, one of the reasons that we've built up the reserves that we have, that we have the strong financial underpinning we have is so that when you get to a situation like that, we continue to proceed with the schedule that we have and the tournaments we have, and we would get to the back end where we are today with even stronger partnerships than we, than we currently have. But hope, hopefully that answers your question, that it's, it would be, in that situation, it's very dynamic and you take each conversation on a one-off basis. Bob? Jay, um, in regards to the Premier Golf League again, mm -hmm. in, in the aftermath of all this, there's been a lot of things proposed as, to, as ways of helping the so-called top name players, the top marketed players. Yep. Could you ever see appearance fees being allowed or some sort of a marketing pool uh, used to sort of enhance you know, their situation? Bob, I, I would tell you that you know, going back to the fact that we're in a position here where starting in 22, you know, you've got, we've got a, you know, a meaningful you know, increase uh, in, the, in the overall dollars that we're going to be allocating that, you know, the, we're, we're going to look at all facets of our business model. And, 
And I think that you look at where we're going to be from, and I'm excited to one day share with you where we're going to be prize money wise, Wyndham Rewards top 10, where we're going to be with the FedEx Cup. But I think you have to be mindful of what, where do we need to be 10, 15 years from now. And, you know, to, to say that we're going to, you know, that we're looking at appearance fees or anything else at this time would be premature. We just had a board meeting last week uh, where we finalized where we're going to be with our media rights and where we think we're going to go from an allocation standpoint. And we'll rely quite heavily on our player advisory council and our governance process to decide, you know, how to look at the next 10 plus years. Can, can you share where you think you're going to be? Um, I think we'll be, listen, here, I, I, you know, we were excited to, to move to a $15 million purse. I see us getting to $25 million, and I see that certainly through the term, if not earlier in the term. Uh, I think when you look at the cup, when we were here in 18, we were at 35, we moved it to 70. 60 plus the 10 with the Wyndham Rewards top 10. You know, there's a day in the not too distant future where that cup will be uh, worth significantly more, perhaps $100 million or more. So these are, that's not a commitment, but that's generally speaking the kind of growth that I expect for us to see for our athletes. Also, Jay, I wanted to ask you what you see as the future of the, of the Hall of Fame, specifically the, the, the building structure. Well, we have a big meeting tomorrow from 10 to 12 where we'll select the 2021 class. And then as it relates to the building and the structure, we are committed to being in that building through 2021. We are looking at, with Greg McLaughlin's leadership and my industry partners or our industry partners, um, what life looks like and continuing in that building, and then what all of our options are as we go forward. I think it's, that building has served the Hall of Fame exceedingly well in St. Augustine. It may continue to be the case, but with the world changing and the world, the way people consume media, consume content, we want to make certain that we come out the back end of this that we've done everything we can to celebrate the incredible accomplishments of everybody that's in that Hall of Fame. So we're looking at a lot of different options, and we haven't settled on where we're going to be at this point. Okay. Uh, hi, Jay. Okay. Oh, here. Um, everybody's going to be driving by the new headquarters building on the way in this week. Can you just update on, on the status of that? About or, you know when do you expect to be moving in, and, and also when you might be adding some, some of the jobs that were promised with that? Uh, we will be... We will be in that building uh, on January 1st, maybe 2nd or 3rd, whenever we come back in the new year. Um, I would tell you that we don't start adding buildings, uh, jobs when we go into the new building. We've been adding jobs to grow and diversify our fan base and our technology business and platforms, adding jobs in our tournament business affairs group to, you know, to support the work we do with all of our tournaments across all of our tours. So, uh, we've done that over the last couple of years. We're going to continue to do that as, as we go forward, and we feel very confident that the commitments that we made to the community will be honored. Um, and we're really excited to go from 17 buildings in this town. And you, know, you think, of, think of the moment the dean came down here um, and played across the street, and the father's son uh, couldn't, you did not, had an opportunity with Sawgrass Country Club. He, just, he and the board decided that wasn't the right opportunity. And then he negotiated long and hard for the dollar that he spent to have the opportunity to build this unbelievable property. But they started in a condo, which led to three condos. 
And now that three condos has gone to 17 different locations in Ponte Vedra. So when you think of a global organization with all the resources that we have, everybody being in the same building, one culture at such an exciting time for the organization, something we can't wait to, uh, wait to get to. And Dean, Tim, thank you for getting us here. Taylor. Over your right shoulder is a great picture of Tiger from last year. And I know it's great to have his participation, but given the young influx of talent and all the different names that are part of the game now, how has the tour's dependence on his participation changed? Well, listen, anytime you have Tiger uh, playing, not only does it make an impact on golf fans and core golf fans, it, makes, it reaches all tentacles of the sports marketplace worldwide. Um, he is a global icon. Um, and as we sit here today, you know, his, his presence, his excellence, what he's been able to accomplish over the last couple of years, obviously we're, we're disappointed he's not here this week, but he told you all, I think the expression was the new normal. And he used it 18, 18 to 24 months ago. And I think him being smart about understanding his body and only playing when he thinks he can win is the new normal. But, um, you know, in terms of our dependence, Ben Crane said it best. You know, he said, he said when, you know, Tiger Woods, when, when young kids started watching Tiger Woods, they stopped playing baseball, football, hockey, and they started playing golf. And now he's out here and he's competing against the very athletes he created. And so his presence is here, literally, um, even if he's not here playing in the tournament. And the way I look at Tiger is that will always be the case. Um, you know, his legacy is something that we'll always be celebrating the next 30, 40, 50 years or in perpetuity. Uh, and his, uh, his, you know, his, his impact is, it's all around this property. Okay. Right here. I'm Mr. Commissioner. Right here. Yes, hi. So uh, we have quite some presence in and partnership in countries like China, Korea, and Japan, yes. where the coronavirus is highly affecting them. Have, has it ever been on your agenda to start some initiative and charitable campaign to help the local government and the people? Especially we've seen some other sports organizations like NBA, they've done a lot to help them. And also like growing the presence in international markets is one of the things you talk about a lot. Yes. Well, I, you know, we um, obviously one of the things that we, we did right away was to postpone the start of our PGA Tour China series qualifying school and the start of that season. Um, I think for us recognizing that we're going to be, you know, in the marketplace later this year, hopefully. Uh, and with our people on the ground, there are a number of things that we're doing to support our employees, and there are a number of things that we'll be doing to support everybody on the ground. That's part of the DNA of this organization. Um, so I feel really good about where we are and what we'll continue to do to be supportive on that front. And anytime you get into a situation like this where, you know, there's a, you know, there's a worldwide, you've got worldwide impact, generally speaking, we feel really good about the story we can tell when everything is said and done. Less, so we're, we're, we're less vocal about what we've done up front, but I feel very good about what we're doing. Brian? Um, just going back to the TV deal for a second, one of the elements of that was the tour taking on um, production mm -hmm. responsibilities. Um, two questions about that is, is why, and secondly, what that means for 
golf on television, sort of what it looks like going yeah. forward? Brian, I think the, the simplest way for me to answer it is a couple of years ago, we were in business with NBC, the Golf Channel, and with CBS. We had discovery, and you build a direct-to-consumer platform in every market, XUS, and we're now placing our rights as they come up market to market. We're producing a lot more content than we've ever produced internationally. You add uh, the expanded partnerships with CBS, NBC, Golf Channel, you add ESPN Plus, and you add the fact that our fans are seeking more content. What we, what we decided, and Rick Anderson and his team did a wonderful job of identifying this, and candidly, our partners have been great in responding and adapting to it, is that we're gonna need to produce more content, and we need to have a singular look at how we do that given the commitments we have across a number of partners, including our own platforms. So that's why we've done that. That gives us the greater ability to affect that and to be able to honor the commitments we have in this extraordinary period of time that we're in. Second. Do you have any other questions? One of the most recent uh, major discussions has been on the bifurcation of the golf ball. Mm -hmm. It's been discussed for over 10 years by the USGA and the PGA. Now, this weekend, we're going to have warm, warm uh, weather, and we're going to have firm fairways. And your TV uh, announcers are going to say the ball just went 340 yards. The USGA is going to come back and say the ball's going too far. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do I have any thoughts? Yeah. Um, I would say, first of all, the USGA and the RNA, I commend the work that they did stepping back and fully assessing the subject uh, of distance. And we are, as an industry partner, we're committed to the process that they've outlined. And not only committed, uh, we're fully invested in it. And we want to make certain that not only are we invested in it and understanding uh, all the various options that they're thinking about, but we're also looking at it selfishly from the perspective of what's in the best interest of the PGA Tour and also what's in the best interest of the game. So for me to, 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 to take a position before that process has started and before we've been you know, into more formal discussions, I think would be getting ahead of the process itself. Uh, but I think it's pretty obvious when they sent out the report and you know, they, they introduced the concept of exploring a local rule that, that spooked a few people out. And so we need to now all get together, get in a room and, and really understand uh, you know, this, this subject, all of its implications, and be good industry partners. And that's what we plan on doing. Does that, does that include the ball manufacturers, the cost that it's going to be to a ball manufacturer to change the... the well, the Vancouver Protocol very specifically states that it will. And um, we've got great partnerships with all the manufacturers. And, um, you know, they're going to be a part of the process. We're also going to continue to talk to as many people that, that are impacted and affect this industry so that we're as fully knowledgeable as we can be. I think we've got time for one more, Michael. Jay, if the tournament can't be held in Austin, would the WGC just be canceled or is there a backup plan in place now? Um, well, Michael, as I said earlier, we fully expect that the tournament will be held in Austin. Uh, that tournament is two weeks away, um, so we're, we're, we're all in and, and making certain that we're able to operate that event. Now, there are various 
you know, various iterations or there, there are different ways of operating event based on the circumstances um, in terms of fan involvement and how we, how we operate the event where well, we're still confident that we'd be able to, you know, to operate the event. Okay. All right, Jay. Busy week already and it's only Tuesday. Uh, thank yeah. you for your time. Any parting thoughts before we, before we head out? No, I, I uh, well, I would just say thank you, as I said up front to everybody in this room. I think about um, how our organization continues to evolve. I think about the strength of our membership and the strength of our athletes and our tournaments and where we are. And I just couldn't be more excited to walk forward into the next decade with all of you here and to work together to grow the greatest game on the planet. So thank you very much. Tour Edge continues their meteoric rise in 2020. Over 90 different tour pros have put Tour Edge into their bag, including staffers Scott McCarron, Tom Lehman, Tim Petrovic, and Duffy Waldorf. Tour Edge makes clubs for every player type, and they set themselves apart with their unprecedented 48-hour delivery on custom-fit orders and by offering a lifetime warranty and by building their clubs in the good old US of A. Visit touredge.com to learn more about their new clubs for 2020. Tour Edge, pound for pound, nothing comes close. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there's something for everyone, from kids' fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old-world elegance, visit our luxurious spa, indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then, finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. It's no secret that FootJoy Flex has been one of the best-selling shoes in the game for the last few years. You can literally wear these things anywhere. Well, they now have a version that's completely redesigned and fully waterproof. It's called the Flex XP. You can wear these to and from work, hit a bucket of balls at the range, play 18 of them, wear them into the clubhouse, or out to dinner. Many have tried this type of versatile shoe in the past, but leave it to FootJoy to elevate the category. Now you can start flexing with the all-new Flex XP. Learn more about Flex XP at FootJoy. If you listen to the wind, you can hear it. That's Ireland calling you home. Home to the greatest Lynx golf courses in the world, defined by soaring dunes, undulating fairways, venerable bunkers, and whimsical green complexes. From Royal Portrush in Northern Ireland, site to the 2019 Open Championship, to Ballyliffin, La Hinch, and Ballybunion, numbering among the Lynx golf masterpieces awaiting your golfing sojourn. Come home to Ireland and enjoy the most incredible golf experience of your life. Get started at Ireland.com. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to BoyneGolf.com and take in all the splendor that is a golf experience unlike any other. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles, and they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. 
Take your game to the max this spring with the all-new Tour X Golf Shoe from FootJoy. Fully loaded inside and out, Tour X delivers max stability, max control, and max comfort. So you can launch it past your buddies. The Tour X wraps your foot in coziness with an ortho light impressions fit bed and a foam collar around the heel, ensuring max in-shoe comfort and support. Tour proven by players like Kevin Kister and Rafael Cabrera-Bayo. Experience max performance for yourself with the all-new Tour X. Shop now at FootJoy.com. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. BenHoganGolf.com is where you can go to see the beautiful product that's being produced right now, bearing the name of the legend. You know, when he founded the original company in 1953, Ben Hogan said he did it, quote, to design and manufacture the best golf clubs in the world, end quote, and that is exactly what their mantra is today, only it's going directly to you, not through retail stores, so they're saving that 40%, 50% retail markup. You can get the best, and you can get it directly from their master craftsmen. Log on to BenHoganGolf.com now. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the all-new Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B, the Tour Ball. Reinvented. It's time for you to discover Streamsong, a new kind of resort that takes the everyday ordinary to the absolutely extraordinary. Three internationally acclaimed link style courses by golf architecture's iconic foursome of Gil Hans, Tom Dope, Bill Core, and Ben Crenshaw that provide a golf experience distinguished as unlike any you've ever had before, with undulating fairways navigating through wild grasses and deep water ponds and lakes, towering sand dunes to find the unexpected experience of playing golf at Streamsong, the ultimate legendary golf destination set apart by the unexpected. Streamsongresort.com.